Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, it's Todd Starkey, the head coach at Kent State University. Coach Starkey has just finished his fourth year at Kent State, has won the MAC East title twice already, something uh, the team hadn't won any of since 2005, and has just done a great job uh, turning that program around. Starkey's a guy who who I know. Uh, we both coached in North Carolina at the same time together, so we, we crossed paths, had similar similar circles, a guy that I always liked and enjoyed and respect, kind of kind of the strong, quiet type, trying to kind of figure out who he was, and as I got to know him, um, figured out he, he's a really good guy and obviously a really good coach, too. He was an assistant in Indiana, uh, Division II coach at Lenore Rhine in North Carolina, where he was a national coach of the year and took that, that program to national prominence. So I'm excited to talk to him kind of about his journey, uh, a lot of small schools along the way, and uh, again, a great coach, and see see how he's done it at Kent State, see how he's done it over his career, and uh, try to have some last four uh, for you guys as well. But uh, we'll get him on the phone and be right back. This is the jump around. And welcome back to the Jump Around, and joining me, it is Kent State Head Coach Todd Stark. Coach, I appreciate you you taking some time. I, I keep saying to everyone, we we all seem to have nothing but time right now, but uh, yeah. it's still... <laughs> nothing, but, nothing but time. Yeah, yeah I'm sitting in the middle of, uh, let's see, walking the dog, <laughs> and uh, yeah, walking the dog again. Yes, I've, <laughs> I've never had such, uh, such an easy time setting up time to talk to people. They're like, yeah, sure, what time, 11? Sure, perfect, yeah, right? Yeah, whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> Well, I, I do yeah, appreciate great. you having on. Absolutely, it's it's good to be with you for sure. Yeah. Well, um, we go back. We'll we'll talk about your Kent State program on the back end, but uh, I want to go back to to the very very beginning. Uh, I always like to to go back to people's adolescence years, and you know, in college, you, you start out going to Mars Hill in North Carolina. You end up going to Montreat, a small, beautiful college in North Carolina. Um, yeah. what, what was the, what was the career path? What were the aspirations of, of 21 year old Todd Starkey graduating from Montreat? Yeah, the way back here, uh, you know, I, I, uh, knew that I wanted to do something working with young people and, uh, and with, with athletics, uh, at, at 21, I guess, you know, before I was, uh, finishing up with, with college, I had, transferred um, from one small uh, college to another in North Carolina and um, was uh, was really focused on you know just finishing my degree enjoying playing basketball and and that type of thing and uh, you know when I first got out of college I was actually working um, in youth counseling so it was was uh, was uh, helping out with a, a lot of different types of programs with that. And then was still playing some, you know, some exhibition, semi-pro basketball, touring around, and and really had a lot of fun with that. <clears throat> and then really kind of through through that and uh, going to some high school games in Charlotte, North Carolina, in in the uh, the mid '90s when when boys basketball was really probably about at its highlight in Charlotte. You know, ran into some old. Um, fellow teammates and, and college coaches that I knew and, and, uh, 
you know, they, they'd ask my opinion on, on uh, looking at some players and that type of thing. And so, you know, I said, sure. You know, it was kind of, you know, back in those days, every, you know, a lot of colleges had like what they called bird dogs, you know, where they, you know, had, had uh, guys that they knew in areas that would, you know, would watch games that they knew, uh, knew basketball and would, would ask their opinion on, on players. And so I was kind of doing, you know, just doing a little bit of that, talking with some coaching friends that I had at that point, and then had an opportunity to go back to Montreal. Uh, as an assistant coach was asked to do that for uh, I think my yearly salary was $3,000 a year. (laughs) So, (laughs) so uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So my first five years as a college coach, I made $3,000 a year and I worked uh, at least uh, one or two other jobs, had a young family at that time and, and uh, was just trying to make it. So that was my first five years was on the, was on the men's side, NAIA, small college, making 3000 a year. And we didn't have a recruiting budget, so I basically spent that $3,000 every year on, on gas money to run around looking at players. And, and I knew that the coaching bug really bit me at that point because, um, you know, our first year we went 7-26, and 26. My, my boss was Bill Robinson, who's the uh, men's coach at Milligan College of Tennessee now, and was my first real mentor and boss. And uh, and we went seven and twenty six, and I and I loved every minute of it, other than the losing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so and then the next season we turned it around. I think went twenty, you know, twenty four and seven, and went to the NAI national tournament. So uh, those are my first two, two years, but five years in in, in that spot, and then transition to Lenore Ryan um, as a division two uh, assistant uh, coach and was a volunteer my first year there uh, mm-hmm. with John Lentz and Brian Lentz who was his son and assistant coach is now on Rick Barnes staff at Tennessee and uh, you know spent my first year as a volunteer it was a full-time substitute teacher and you know just did about everything on the side I could and then um you know, and then finally transitioned. Uh, the women's job at Lenoreine came came open, and our athletic director asked me if I would step in and be the interim head coach while they did the search. And a month later, he decided he wanted to uh, offer me the job, and uh, I, I took it. Never looked back. So it's been 15 years now on the women's side, and it's been an incredible blessing. It's. Um... It's that 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 move right from the men's side as an assistant to a women's head job. That's that's a that's an often criticized move, right, from people in the women's game because you go, oh, 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 what's you know, what is what is who's this guy? Yeah. What, what kind of what I think? Yeah. I know that was a and while I, ago, but what was that like for you? Yeah, and I get that now. I really do. Uh, at the, at the time, it really was kind of you know, there's some hurtful things that were kind of said to me. You know, you know, like not you know, it didn't. But, but I mean, it, it was, it was kind of like, you know, you're taking a job from somebody, you know, that, that type of thing. And I, and I, and I get that now. I really do uh, understand the landscape of that now. Uh, I was just in the middle of, of trying to, you know, feed my family literally yeah. and uh, pursue uh, a, a passion of mine. And that was coaching basketball. And I didn't really, at that point, didn't care what form it, it, it took. I just, you know, I just wanted to have a team and to coach and to, you know, build a program. And so, uh, I, did, I really didn't get some of that rhetoric that was going on on that side. It, you know, that's what it was to me at that point. And now I understand where that's coming from and legitimate. But uh, um, but I just at that point was just excited about, uh, 
you know, having a, my first head coaching job and, uh, it just went to work. You know, I had some, some coaches early on that, that, uh, you know, that I was able to talk with and help kind of mentor me a little bit in those early stages. Mike Peterson was at Wake Forest at the time. And, 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 uh, you know, I got to talk with him some Andy Landers. I actually met, you know, early on and, 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 uh, you know, got to talk with him some about some, some things. He probably doesn't remember that, but I certainly do. And, uh, you know, and it was, a, it was a really good time for me. And I just, uh, uh, as far as learning goes, and um, I was just a sponge, tried to soak up everything I could and, and uh, really try to surround myself with good people. But I, I, I really enjoyed those early years, even through some of the, you know, the first, first couple of years were a little bit tough. <laughs> it worked out pretty good, I'd say. Yeah, it you know it worked out, and, and and people ask me like, how did you kind of do that? And I said, listen, number one, I had an administration that was patient with me, uh, and knew that I was a new head coach, and I needed to be able to grow through some of those, so those phases, you know. So our first year at Lenoir, we went ten and eighteen, and then uh, then I recruit. I brought in ten freshmen the next year, and we went sixteen and twelve. So we had a nice improvement there, but still just above. 500 the next year we had a couple of injuries key injuries and went 15 and 13 so we're just two games above 500 you know one game above 500 really there and and um you know going into my fourth season and not sure how this was all going to work out and uh my ad um neil mcgay who you who has since passed on uh, a few years ago um you know just just came and said hey listen let's look at a couple things here. Let's try this and keep looking. I like what I'm seeing from your young players and just was really an encouragement to me. And, you know, fourth year we went 27 and five and had the best season in school history. So, mm. you know, it's just sometimes from, sometimes it just takes a little bit of extra patience from administration and being in the right situation and continuing to have the right perspective. And, and, uh, things start turn started to turn in our favor at that point. And you guys, it was it's fun for people who don't know Lenore Ryan in Hickory, North Carolina. You, I mean, you guys were were winning a lot. I mean, you're the winningest coach in program history. But you guys had fan support. I mean, those gyms were were loud. They were crowded. Yeah. Like you had a cool little thing going. Uh, we did. Uh, you know, that fourth and fifth year, I remember uh, we were playing uh, Missy Tiber, who's the head coach at uh, North Alabama now. We had some fierce battles back then, and and the talent level of our team and their team at that time was as as good as a lot of mid Division One mid major programs that you would see. And people are like, yeah, right. I'm, I'm just saying it was uh, it was an unbelievable level of talent between those two teams. Tuscaloosa came into our gym, I think, ranked fifth in the country, and we were sixteenth in the nation, and had won about. I think at that point about 12, 13 games in a row. And we, the, the game was a sellout in Schufer Memorial Gymnasium at Little Rock. It was uh, for a Division II game to have 35, you know, 3,000, 3,500 people in there. The atmosphere was unbelievable. And we, we ended up, uh, we ended up uh, coming back in it and winning that game by I think 16 or whatever. And that really, from, from that point on, cause that game had gotten a lot of hype from that point on, we really had good fan support and, and it was a neat, uh, really neat atmosphere. Uh, we were able to get, I think we were the, we ended up hosting the Southeast regional, the NCAA tournament that year as the number one seed. And, and, uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. 
Well, after nine years there, you go on and you take an assistant job at Indiana, and and I I kind of have two questions for you on that front. One, we we've already we talked about your background. You're you are NAIA, you know D two. We're talking small, you know, quaint little yeah. schools. Yeah. And now you go to the Big Ten, and then you go from being a successful coach, a head coach for nine years, and now take an assistant job again. What were what were what was that like? Both of those things, because those are both very different than what you had been doing. Right. Well, I mean, before I say, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to Trisha Cullup, uh, who's at you know hmm. one of our rivals now at Toledo, and and you know the WPCA president. I, I had uh, got a position on the WPCA board as the East. United States representative for Division Two because I wanted to kind of get in a different circle of people and and uh, that that type of thing and so I got to know Coach Cullup through that and when when Terry Morin got the job at Indiana she was looking for somebody on her staff with head coaching experience and thankfully Trisha you know thought highly enough of me to recommend me for that job so I went to yeah I go from Lenore Ryan and it was late you know when she got the job so we went up there got up there in early September and just kind of hit the ground running. But I, I still remember the first day coach Morin wanted me to kind of, you know, be the head of the defensive side of the ball. And I remember the, the first practice that we had in assembly hall. And, and this is a place that I grew, grew up watching games on TV mm-hmm. as a kid. My, my dad and my brother were Indiana alums. So they were huge Bob Knight fans. And, and I, I remember coaching. De- we were just this basic shell drill, uh, defensive drill uh, in assembly hall, and I and I was like in the middle of it, and I I started like my pulse started going up, and I started getting <laughs> breaking out into a sweat. I was like, I cannot believe I'm coaching defense in assembly hall. <laughs> you know, when like you know two weeks prior, I was you know I was at Little Ryan, and, and and it was it was kind of a surreal experience to me, but. But uh, what a blessing it was for me to be, you know, um, under under Coach Moran's mentorship for a couple of years. Uh, the, the, the two years that I spent there were so important for me. And looking looking back now, it was, it was so necessary for my growth as a coach to get me really out of my comfort zone, to do scouting reports against Big Ten teams and, and the coaches in the Big Ten. And it really stretched me as a coach and helped me grow. Yeah, what... What other ways for you, like, again, as as an assistant, and you're right, she's done, obviously, a, a great job, and you kind of helped lay that foundation. What were what were the biggest adjustments for you? I mean, you mentioned the scouts, but what, what was the change of, like, okay, I'm not the guy making the decisions anymore? Yeah, I, it, it, was, it was an adjustment. And, you know, once again, going from Lenore Ryan, where it was myself, uh, a, a, a one full-time assistant and uh, a GA, that was my whole staff, we... You know, ask who was your strength coach? Well, I, we I was the strength coach. You did your conditioning. Well, I did that. Yeah, yeah. You know, who did you? Who was your recruiting coordinator? It was it was Katie Bate, myself, and who was you know? And who did your marketing? Well, we did. I mean, like you know, like there were there weren't departments for this stuff, and now all of a sudden you're thrown into the mix where we had like eleven on staff so between our grad assistants, administrative. We had a full time video coordinator. You had a strength coach. You had there were just so many moving parts. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, to be honest with you, it was difficult, uh, that first year, especially for me to kind of adjust, uh, all right, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, you're supposed to be focusing on this and this only, as opposed to being, I had gotten really good at being a generalist and, and being able to do, mm. you know, 
25 different things. And now I was focusing on scouting reports and recruiting and practice prep. You know, it was just yeah. that it was really, you know, you got to be focused on and be really good at it, you know? And, uh, that was an adjustment for me. And, and I made some, certainly made some mistakes and I probably put my foot in my mouth a few, <laughs> few too many times, you know, while you're, you know, you're like, oh, I got to step up and say something here. Cause I'm used to doing that. And it wasn't really my role. And so I, you know, I had to learn that, um, you know, as I was going through it and, and, uh, but it was, it was really good. It was a, it was a really good staff that we, that we had there, Rhett Weersba, who's still on staff there now and, and, and coach Moore, and obviously they built that into the programs better than it's ever been at IU and, and, and the run that they were potentially going to go on the NCAA tournament. Now really, I'm still a fan of their program and what they're doing and um, exciting to see that. But I, you know, I, I had some learning to do. It was, it, I had, you know, swallow my pride on, <laughs> on a lot of occasions for sure yeah well not anymore now you get to do it again right now you're in charge again so you're good you're clear <laughs> yeah yeah right no it's it was uh, it was uh the, the and the Kent state opportunity kind of fell in, in into my not fell into my lap but it kind of came out of out of the blue again like indiana did i didn't uh expect that or know that was coming and and then so in the kent state opportunity did as well it wasn't something that i pursued i didn't know anybody there at that time it's just that uh, one thing kind of linked to another and then linked to another and then all of a sudden I was I was a candidate and I wasn't the first I'd never been really the first choice in any job that I've had and that's fine with me mm-hmm. um you know I was uh, I was wasn't even on their radar when they first started the search at Kent State yeah and that so what what happens how how does the how do those dominoes fall well I think I think that w- when the Kent State job came open i i it i saw it and i was like oh man that's 45 minutes from where i grew up i'm I'm a youngstown area youngstown ohio area native uh and and when that came i was like oh that's close to home that would be a cool job to have but i don't know anybody there so i don't have any you know affiliation or way to get in on that so i just kind of sat back and watched it and you know i think the job was offered to you know, a handful of other people and, and it wasn't the right move for them at the time, or maybe they went after, you know, some candidates that they, you know, they were, you know, kind of overshooting a little bit to see if they could maybe get somebody really, you know, really good. <laughs> and, and, and then I, and I, and I, and I, when I say that, I mean that, you know, like I was, uh, I was kind of a fallback choice uh, at, at after everything was said and done. And that's, and like, and you know, that's, that's okay. That's how things happen. A lot of times in this profession is, is you, you don't know where your next job or best opportunity are coming from. So the, the best thing to do is just keep your head down and keep working and try and stay true to the principles that you, you know, think are, are most important. And, uh, which is hard to tell young coaches, you know, you know I get to ask that all the time. Like, how did you get there? Like, you know, I was like, listen, I don't know, to be honest with you, I just know that I, uh, you know, I tried to work hard and listen to people a lot smarter than me. Yeah. And, um, and it's worked out to this point. And so they, you know, it, it kind of came together and I was, I was offered the position and, and jumped at the opportunity. And it immediately pays dividends. Your first year, you're 19, 13, you win 13 games in the Mac, you win the East. And that's the first time that happened since 2005. I mean, that's that's the dream scenario, right? You walk in, things click, and I know you had you had some really good players on that team too. But you walk in right away, and it, and it works. I mean, that's 
Again, that's that's like that's the dream scenario, right? Like, hey, we're really good, and then you actually do it, and you're like, oh, that actually worked, fantastic. Well, well, what I'll tell you is, number one, I don't know the exact formula to how that happened, uh, you know. Uh, but 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 what I will tell you is something that I thought was a disadvantage from the start turned into an advantage, uh, and that was. Our administration said we have 16 players on the roster, 15 scholarships are filled, and you you are not you're not allowed to come in and and kick people off the team mm. first year, uh, run people off, anything like that. I I said, wait, let me get this straight. The team won six games the previous season five division one games and you want me to try and build a program with the players that are already here now. And they said, yes, that's how we're going to do things. And I said, all right, you know, Mm -hmm. and what it, and I thought that that was going to be a disadvantage. Um, but it ended up being an advantage. Uh, and I had to change my perspective on that because what it did is I focused on the players that we had instead of spending that whole first year or, or that first three or four months, going out and trying to fill the roster with kind of band-aids. Does that yeah, make sense? It does. Uh, you know, and, and so they're like, all right, fine. We're going to develop these players and, and we're going to win as many games as we can with what we have. And we're really going to kind of in that first year recruiting cycle, it's too, it's kind of too late to really get great players because they already have established relationships. So we really put most of our recruiting effort into the following recruiting class. So, and almost is it 18 months out before you're going to coach those players. And we, we just invested in the players that were there. And I think it, it ended up being the best thing for us um, because, because they got all of us, you know, our, our, our focus wasn't split and trying to bring in other players and, and that type of thing. And those, those players really, I mean, Larissa Lurkin, uh, the season she had her senior year, she went from averaging 11 points a game her junior year to, to almost 24 points a game her senior year and was Mac player of the year. And it was, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of. And, and, and I can't take credit for an ounce of that other than just providing belief. You know, we just worked hard, changed a few things up with the way we played changed some expectations and they, that's, that team just really took to it and, and took off. And it was, it was more, it was, it was probably the most amazing season I've ever been a part of Mm. from that standpoint. It was just unbelievable to see young people just buy in and believe in each other and what we were saying. And and it turned into wins. Yeah. Then that, that second year you take a step back and I mean, you graduate a lurk and you graduate some players. So it's maybe, yeah. privately amongst the coaching staff, you go, yeah, this is going to be a challenge. But still, when you actually get back out there and do it, I mean, you go 13, 19, 5 and 13 in conference. And that's really the year the Mac kind of started becoming what it is right now in, you know, arguably the best mid-major conference in the country. Yeah, I, I always often tell people like that, you know, I picked the wrong time to come into the Mac because <laughs> the, se- the four seasons that I've been here, we, we've been 10th, seventh, eighth, and ninth in the country in RPI conference. And that and previous to that, the Mac has had very good individual teams, top heavy and done yep. some great things, but the highest the Mac had ever been in the history was tenth. And so we've had the four best the four best seasons as a conference in women's basketball history. Um and uh yeah that second year was was a challenge. 
Uh, we still had a really good player, an all first team all conference kid in Jordan Karinic, who's playing professional basketball now still and having a great time overseas. Back home safely now, but uh, had a great season in Germany this year. But we did. We took we took some lumps. We we graduated Larissa. 752 points in one season and we graduated that from one from one player <laughs> and uh and you know we we knew we were going to take a, a bit of a hit there um and uh and we did we kind of we, we flipped our record from 19 and 13 and wnit to 13 and 19 and we really knew that that was probably going to be the case we just didn't know that the mac would get even that much better our second year and sent two teams to the sweet 16 Buffalo and central Michigan had phenomenal runs that, that year. Um, and, uh, really made the conference proud, but also made the conference a lot harder to coach in. So, so it, it we knew that that was probably going to be the case year two. And, and, uh, um, and, but, but I thought we learned a lot from that. We're able to establish some new norms with the, the young players. And then you win 20 games the next year. So it works out pretty good. And that's that's a year, too, that I know you've previously talked about. You you were really young again, and you you kind of bided your time quietly. You, you win 11 games in the conference, and that's, again, Buffalo, Central Michigan, Ohio, are kind of beating the crap out of each other at the top. And you guys are just kind of lurking down there, building something special. And uh, and it resulted this year in a, a share of the, the Mac East title yet again. So that development piece kind of through those tough times seemed to, uh, you guys navigated it really well. Yeah. You know, it, we really just invested in our, in our young players. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, you know, upperclassmen at that point that helped Allie pool, uh, Megan Carter. Um, and, uh, it was a tough season for Allie pool this year with Terry ACL, which was, which was, which was really difficult for her and for the team. Megan Carter was battling a lot of stuff, uh, all conference player, but you know, our freshmen and, and sophomores this year, uh, were phenomenal. Last year we had two freshmen on the all Mac team this year. We had two more again on the all freshman team. So our, our recruiting efforts are really starting to pay off. And these young players have, we've thrown them right into it, you know, and we've played a tough non-conference schedule both years and they've just to their credit they've really jumped in with both feet and and uh and really never backed down from any any challenge that we've thrown their way going forward obviously uh or before we go forward obviously the end of this season for everybody kind of was oh wow yeah. and and you guys had you guys had a, a nice win in the in the mac tournament so you felt like maybe you had some positive momentum going um for you, how did you right. guys how how did how that whole situation go down for you guys? Well, I, I'm sure most coaches that like ended their season with a win were going to say we were primed to do something special. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I'm going to say that for us too. Yeah. We had won eight of our last nine games, and we really were uh, like we always talk about playing our best basketball in late February, um, early March. Our players' level of belief after that Buffalo win uh, up in Cleveland was at a season high and I think our players really believe that we could win the next two games and get to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 02 so it was really difficult to be on that bus ride back from Cleveland after telling them that the season was over obviously it was very difficult for our seniors um, but it was really, it was difficult for our young players too, because they had started to see what we had been preaching all year, you know, 
you know, all the coaches, you know, the quote of the weeks and all the, uh, um, you know, the coaching cliches were starting to come true. Like they were starting to really figure it out and they really were believing in each other. And then all of a sudden an abrupt end, our, you know, and our ending wasn't any more or less painful than anybody else's that was still alive. You know, I mean, there, uh, there were a lot of teams in the country that were done playing at that point. So their season was effectively over um, for all the teams that their season was not over. It was obviously a really painful thing to, to kind of uh, go through. But, but like everybody said in, in perspective, you know, with everything else that's going on, it pales in comparison, but those are real feelings for those players. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, just processing that with a team was, it was important for us. Yeah. I said this, this year, there's probably more than ever, you know, I mean, there's like 190 coaches out there being like, yeah, we were going to make the tournament. We we're, we we're in the bubble. We were about to make <laughs> right. it in. Right. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and who can, who can dispute it? Yeah, we were, we were, yeah, we were going to get in there as a 10 seed and we were going to make yeah. a run, but, uh, man. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, there's there's three other teams in the MAC that were saying yeah, that that's true. Michigan, Toledo, and Ohio were all were all still alive and and probably felt like they had as, <laughs> as good a chance as 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 any of the other ones at, at making it. And so, uh, you know, but uh, but you know, tough tough all across the country for yeah. for for athletes to to go through that. And and non athletes probably on you know social media are looking at that like why you know that's not that big a deal but right. when you invest as much as these student athletes do and you start seeing some success and then all of a sudden it's just snatched away it's 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 a tough thing to to, to get through yeah for for you personally I mean you know coaches we're we're kind of creatures of habit and we do our thing and we have kind of our routine and then suddenly the brakes get put on that and you're, you're stuck in your house and you're having to, again, we, I mean, you and I kind of talked about it before we popped on, but you everything shifts, right? Like, uh, our recruiting's different. The recruiting mindset, how are they, what are these recruits thinking? Are they trying to speed up or slow down their process? All that is just all right. of us. Again, we all kind of have our rhythm, like in different parts of the year. And now it's like, nah, figure out something new. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for you? Right. Well, I think there's a, a few different pieces to that. The first one I would say is for our players, it's really, other than having the season cut short of what, what they thought it was going to be, it's not any different than it would be normally. They would be, we'd be spending that mandatory two weeks off. And I typically give our players more like three or four weeks off, especially after a really long season. If you get to postseason play, they need that mental reset and their body needs to rest. So right now we're not doing a whole lot with our players other than just staying in communication and making sure they're uh, safe and staying connected. But, but as far as wanting them to do anything, I don't, I want them to, you know, get that reset time that they would normally get anyways with our staff. It's, uh, daily communication, um, group FaceTime, talking about recruiting, all those different elements and, and staying connected with them. And I'm, and I'm blessed. Uh, you know, everybody thinks they have the best staff in the country, uh, or maybe they don't. I don't know. I do. <laughs> I think we have, I'm just really blessed with, with Fran Rakia and Morgan Tolls and, and Mike McKee, Alexa Golden, who played for me as our Dobo now. Uh, they're just phenomenal people. So really blessed with what they, they bring to the table. And then with our recruits, you know, the third piece of that, it's just trying to get a feel for what their mindset is now. And it's just, it's new. It's different for them. They don't know what to think. And I've really tried to spend a lot of time on the phone with parents and, and coaches and, and recruits and just really talking about 
what the landscape could look like and not necessarily selling Kent State. You know, a lot of them already know about us. It's more of, they've had a lot of really good questions about, um, you know, about the process, what my thoughts are on what summer ball could look like, what the NCAA is going to do. And, and I tell them, you know, we have a lot of question marks as well, you know, um, but, but, uh, but just trying to, you know, talk through the process and, and trying to be real with them about uh, what's going on and not trying to fluff things up and make make certain things sound better than they actually are. Yeah. Well, um, for you, I had have asked this before to some other people, but for you, uh, let's say the world was normal and things were operating as they usually work. Are you someone who is able to step away for a few weeks in the off season and, and go do something fun, or are you just one of those, you just keep your nose to the grindstone? No, I, I really, and the thing about it is I, I've learned that over the years that I am much more effective as a coach and a leader and our assistant coaches are much more effective in, in what they're doing. And they, you know, they're much, they stay passionate about, about what's going on when you, when you get space and balance. So I really kind of force them to do that. You, you gotta be away. I don't, you know, you need to take time off. I'm very liberal with their time during the year because they're, if you hire people who are very dedicated to what you're doing, you know, and they're good at their job, then you don't have to motivate them. They do, they're motivated on their own. And so I'm, like I said before, I'm really blessed with a staff of people who are, are they just, they just motivated by it. They, they believe in what we're doing they love coaching our players, and uh, you know I'm just kind of steering. I'm just trying to turn, t- kind of turning the rudder here and there, and they're really the the, the energy that that makes a lot of things go. In uh, what direction that that we take? I'm, I'm trying to create vision for them, and they go. So yeah, I uh, this time of year, the original question was, uh, you know, what do I do? I mean, I I I like to play the guitar. I like to fish. Uh, play golf. Uh, I've got back into ride motorcycles again. So I, I have a lot of things that I enjoy doing and, and I try to, to spend time doing those things, but it doesn't take much to, you know, to motivate me to keep, keep, uh, things going as far as, as basketball goes. We're as passionate, uh, I'm as passionate as I've ever been about pursuing championships. 21 years into coaching and I, that I was in, in year two or three or four. Um, this is this is going off off the trail a little bit here, but I'm going to ask you, and it's okay if the answer is no because I, it'll make you laugh if if you don't. But do you remember <laughs> our you and I our first interaction together? Yeah, I think uh, if I remember, you were at, uh, and I may be wrong with this, but uh, I, if you were at Gardner Webb as an mm-hmm. assistant coach, yep. Am I going back far enough? Yep, you're good. You're good so far. Yeah, you and and Brittany Young, our mutual friend, was on staff with you, and she introduced me to, to you. And you were uh, an assistant for Rick Reeves at that point, and uh, and I was a D two head coach, and and you had this uh, really uh, big curly hair, and and had a had a ton of energy, and uh, and immediately I was like, this guy, this guy's good. I, I and I love and I. I was a, I I enjoyed your uh, your sense of humor right from the start. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I uh, does, does that am I back far enough? Yeah, no, you're spot on. <laughs> I just remember the first uh, the, our first discussion because Rick Reeves, who gave me gave me a break into coaching, and and he's at the University of Cumberland's now, and I love the man. And but it was funny because you know he's he's a veteran. He's a little older and. 
couldn't yell quite as loud. Yeah. And so part of my job on the bench was I had to just repeat every play call as loud as I could. <laughs> and I remember you kind of being like, hey, man, what? Why, why you gotta, why you gotta call everything? Why are you repeating him so much? I'm like, oh no, that's, uh, that's one of my responsibilities. I don't, seen, I don't know if you've seen that clip of the uh, the two English uh, British soccer coaches, uh, where the, where the uh, the head coach is saying something and the, and the assistant repeats every single thing, every mannerism, everything like that. It, oh, and that know. reminds me of what you're oh, saying. That's it's great. A pretty, 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 pretty funny, but uh, yeah, I felt that same way as a young assistant coach back in the Montreal days. It felt like, and and Bill Robinson was probably like, uh, like I was this little flea to his side. Yes. Like, will you just sit down? Yes, just, yes. Just, you're in my ear all the time. So I'm sure Rick probably, Coach Reed's probably felt that way a little bit about you. But, One thousand uh, percent. Yeah, but but that but that energy I think is what what has made you and I both you know still passionate to this day about about what we're doing, no question about yeah. it. That's funny. Well, it's funny because you, I agree with you, but I also, I think you and I also give off, uh, for people who, if people just walked up to you and I and didn't know each other, like I, and I understand, I, I, I'm kind of, I kind of am bouncing around and you are, you kind of give off a stoic calmness and maybe that's because you've been doing this longer than me <laughs> and you're, you're better at this than me. But I think it's funny because then once, once you actually get to know you and, and watch your coach, you, you kind of see that passion come out. So for you, I feel like it's like, whoa, this guy, okay, he's got some energy. Whereas me, it's like, yeah, this guy just needs to relax a little bit. I definitely have different gears, no question about it. And I think some, some people probably – maybe get the wrong impression of me uh, when all they see is me on the sidelines and, and, and uh, getting a bit argumentative with referees and stomping <laughs> up and down the sideline. I just hate to lose. You know, I'm very competitive, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that sometimes that maybe that comes across the wrong way. But I think our players would never have never been able to accuse me as somebody who's not passionate about, mm. about winning and hating to lose. So uh, I don't want our players to ever think any differently of me. So yeah. you, you gotta be, you gotta be true to who you are. Right. Yep. And, uh, yep. but yeah, away from, away from the court, I probably, I, I probably put off a completely different, uh, mm-hmm. air about things for sure. Have you been able to channel that competitiveness into anything while being kind of in this quarantine? Uh, not really, you know, and uh, that, which is fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to be, uh, such a sore loser at everything, uh, when I was younger and even into my, uh, you know, into, into my college days. And I had to, I had to temper that so much. I, I, you know, I also played, uh, played tennis and I, and I, in college and I, and I, I used to lose my temper on the court uh, on, on, on many occasions. And so learning, you know, obviously accepting your weaknesses and learning how to manage them is one of, if not the most important things in life. And so I've gotten better at that over the years. So even on the golf course, uh, I, I used to be a lot more frustrated with everything. And now I just realized, listen, this is not something I work at or practice every day. Why would I get frustrating with it? So I just yeah. really enjoy the other parts of life now. I don't have to compete at everything. But when those juices get flowing, man, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it, it comes back very quickly, no question. Yeah. Um, I will get you out of here on this one. Uh, as you move into year five uh, with with Kent State and you've really now you've got your, you know, a full cycle of players you've recruited. You've kind of got your culture down. You got all that stuff down for you as you 
take a step back and look at it and kind of look at the whole thing. What is it that sticks out about your program that, you know, maybe makes it a little bit different than others or uniqueness to it? Like, what is it that Kent, makes Kent State Kent State? What makes, you know, Todd Starkey Todd Starkey? Well, I think that uh, I've gotten pretty comfortable in my own skin now, you know, and, and kind of know who I am as a coach and, and know areas that I need to continue to grow. Um, and so focused on that. But i tell you one thing I think that sticks out that across the coaching landscape that, that leads to a lot of success is the continuity that we've had on our staff. And um, I think that, you know, in a, in a business in, um, like coaching, uh, profession like coaching, where there is so much volatility and turnover and fan bases can, and administrations can be fickle and, and all that type of thing. I think it's been really good to see um, the continuity on our staff that are, we've, we've created an atmosphere at Kent State where our coaches just want to really want to be here and, and want to continue pouring themselves into the lives of our players. And our players have picked up on that as well. So we haven't had a lot of turnover on our on our roster. We haven't had a lot of turn, any, virtually any turnover on our staff, and I think that that's a sign of a healthy program, um, especially obviously if you're winning as well. So, so I think we're in a really good place, and I want to make sure we don't get complacent in any way. Um, so, continue to build that vision towards the ultimate for us is 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 every season pursuing a MAC championship. Uh, and getting to the WNIT or the NCAA tournament every every year if we can, and then our ultimate goal is to get to get Kent State to a Sweet 16, which it's never done before, and then let the chips fall where they may. At that point, you know, if yeah. you're in the final 16 in the country, you know, who knows? But it's been done before in the league, obviously recently, and it's something that I really want to bring to Kent State. Yeah, well, I love the aspirations. I love what you do, how you do it. You know. I, how much I respect you and think of you. So I, uh, I certainly appreciate you, you sharing some of that with me and taking time out of your day to spend it with me on here. It was fun, and uh, I appreciate it, though. Good luck going forward, and hey, uh, had, stay safe. Yeah, you've had some great coaches on here, and I've enjoyed listening to the podcast. I'm just glad I'm a part of that that circle of, of coaches now, and yeah, just encourage everybody to... Man, it's it's going to get tougher before it gets better. And this this uh, end of March and all through April is going to be some really unprecedented tough times for everybody out there. Just uh, stay strong, stay connected, and uh, to your family, your 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 friends, and most importantly, your faith. And and uh, let's keep moving forward. I love it. I hope to see you on a court in July because that means things are yeah, going right. I think everybody, if and when that happens. I think everybody's going to have a completely different perspective and feeling towards the uh, towards the ability to be out, out and do stuff that we love again. So uh, it'll 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 turning into a blessing, uh, no question about it. If I get to see you out there in July, no doubt. All right, well, Coach, I appreciate you. Thanks for your words, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, go flashes. Well, thanks again to Kent State head coach Todd Starkey for taking time out of his day for me. Uh, I always enjoy the time I get with him, and uh, that was a that was a fun one for sure. Uh, thank you for listening to the Jump Around, whether it's on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, whatever. It's appreciated. If you can leave a rating or review wherever you listen, that is appreciated as well. You can find me on Twitter always at Blake Dudonis. And until next time, this is the Jump Around. <laughs>